My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we got a lot to talk about. Uh, it's the beginning of the NFL season. Uh, we have to talk about the Chiefs-Lions game, of course. There's a lot to break down there. But we have breaking news today. Chris Jones signs a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the weirdest thing that I've ever seen uh, happen in Kansas City for quite some time, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but that's not even the weirdest thing that happened today, Reese. We had the Jets upset the Bills, and yes, if you weren't watching today or whenever this is going to post, if you weren't watching the Monday night game, uh, you would think Aaron Rodgers played, but he didn't. After four snaps, he looks like he has ruptured his Achilles, but it's not confirmed yet, but we're seeing a lot of reports come out. Um, So anyway, Zach Wilson smokes the Bills, Reese. Hello and welcome to the show and welcome to the NFL season. What a strange start to the season, Reese. Yeah, what a strange start to the NFL season. What a strange start to season five of Fountain City Sports Media. That's right. One, two, three, four, fifth. One, two, three, four, single. Is it really our fifth season? This Holy is, crap. This is the fifth season. Like I said, we've been doing it with like... We're getting old, man. Oh, we are. We are. But like I said last time, it's not the fifth NFL season. It's like NFL season... Off season, NFL season, right. off season, NFL season. So that's kind of how we're rolling on this podcast. So that's wild. And who who would have guessed their fifth season we're rolling and Zach Wilson starts starts the topic of our of our fifth season. Dude, you call that an upset, but it's like this is really a double upset because you lost to the Jets and you lost to Zach Wilson. I mean, that's this should be a, a loss and a half in the loss column. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like and like he 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 was getting a lot of pressure, but like he was making good throws, I thought. Like when when we saw Zach Wilson pre uh pre Aaron Rodgers, like this dude looks scared every single throw. And then today I was like, wait a minute, if this guy has time, like he's actually making his throws. Uh but it was still a bloodbath, especially on D. Um, and then Josh, Josh Allen, Reese, you know, this is our fifth season and every single season we've been consistent about our Josh Allen takes. And every year we say the same thing about this dude. This dude's mid. This dude is like Jameis Winston with legs. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I just stole that from Reese. Oh, no, it's uh, it's good, dude. I, I'm not going to lie. It's jo- Josh Allen. Dude, it, it's so crazy because I don't. I mean, maybe since Brett Favre, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback that has so much arm talent that just absolutely will win you games on that arm talent, but then will absolutely just like cost you so many games. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has had bad games before, but I'm trying to think of like when was the last game we lost because Patrick Mahomes turned the ball over three times to one touchdown. Never, never. I I could think of three interception Patrick Mahomes games. But never ones that like he threw us or fumbled us out of. Was that the? Because Allen had lost fumble too, didn't he? Yeah. So he he had four turnovers, and that oh. is tied for a career high um, turnovers in a game. And this is after last season. We're all like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna take the off season, and he's gonna you know f- correct these mistakes. They're changing the you know to twelve personnel. They're gonna have. Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid out there and they're going to ground and pound which they did actually they had a lot of uh, great moments from James Cook but um, but still the same Josh Allen if not worse Josh Allen Reese Dude, I'm just going to say tell me how important the run game is so 
team incredibly. Team A had 236 yard passing, threw the ball 41 times, 12 carries for 46 yards. Team B threw the ball 21 times for 140 yards, had 10 carries for 127 yards. Can you guess which of those two teams won tonight? Yes, I can. The one that has Brees freaking Hall after an ACL injury, but still looks absolutely amazing. Brees Hall. He's back, baby. I'm not going to lie. I was not on the Brees Hall hype train when he was in college. I did not see the speed, and I did not see why everyone's like, oh, this guy's a future NFL player. But, I mean, dude, he came to the NFL, and he kicked it up a notch. And Brees Hall is the real deal. He looks great. And, Reese, to your point, I mean, like, like, like you said, you have a Zach Wilson who literally has nothing on his resume, an absolute disaster, but the run game beats a team that people thought are going to be AFC title contenders, Super Bowl contenders, and they lose to Zach Wilson, who Robert Sala hoped he would never see on the field this season, and he sees him in the fifth snap of the first game. So, Exactly. The run game matters. The Bills are in shambles already from week one. Their defense looks great. But again, how can you measure their defense when Zach Wilson is is under center? So, yes, they look good right now. But how are they going to look against Patrick Mahomes? How are they going to look against? I mean, I can't even name a good quarterback right now because all of them are playing bad, Um, like a healthy Joe Burrow, even. You know what I mean? So. The Bills are in trouble, and they've been in trouble. And I think the hot take that I made last year was this is the end of the Bills, right? I think I said this season, like, there will no longer be any talks about Josh Allen and the Bills being title contenders in the NFL after the 2023-2024 season. And right now, my prediction's looking pretty, pretty, pretty good. There's something not right with that Bills team. They've kept a lot of the same core players and pieces over the last two, two and a half years since they lost to us in the divisional round. But it just, you keep seeing diminishing returns with it, and I, I don't get it. I thought James Cook would at least be some sort of decent weapon for that run pass game, but we're not seeing it. I don't know if their coach is starting to lose the locker room. I mean, Stephon Diggs was complaining all offseason. No one knew what he was up to. I mean, he had at least 100 yards and a touchdown tonight. So he's still playing well. It's not like he fell off the face of the earth. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, and like uh, you know, one one example from his three turnovers, he he has he has Gabe Davis double covered with like Whitehead already having two interceptions on him, and he still yeets it to Gabe Davis. Like clearly, the dude's double covered. I don't know what he sees that Gabe Davis is going to do differently, or maybe he thought it was Stephon Diggs, but like I don't know. Josh Allen's decision making is just really bad. Like yes, he is good with his legs, right? We've talked about that, and he's able to. Like, you know, extend a play and also, you know, collapse the pocket when you when everybody else is playing cover too. He sees the middle and he runs. But other than that, like decisions down the field, I think I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think he threw it down the field four times and three of them were intercepted. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have it in front of me, but like I'm not joking. It was it was actually that bad when he's throwing it down the field. It, I mean, it kind of it, it's kind of reminiscent of Patrick Mahomes in that second year when people figured Patrick Mahomes out, and it was only for like maybe 3 or 4 weeks until Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid figured it out, but it seems like Sean McDermott and and Josh Allen are still like, "What do we do?" Like, we still we like there everyone keeps doing this like faux this gimmicky cover to shell 
well. And Josh Allen still does not know how to how to def- um, defeat it. I think it feels like Josh Allen yearns to have the receivers that someone like a Joe Burrow has, where it's just like, yeah, I can just kind of yeet this up into double coverage, and so long as it's there, my guy's going to win that every time. Whereas, Not Gabe Davis. I mean, Stephon Diggs isn't even really that much of a jump ball wide receiver, you know? So I don't know. It's it's difficult to look at, but I think this division is going to be too good for the Bills to just keep playing the way they are because we saw what Miami did. Now, let it be on the record, I'm still not on the Tua boat yet. I think he has two of the biggest yak monsters. You know, four, what do you have, 454 yards? Something like that. But like Tyreek had like 260 of those or something, you know. Again, yak monster. I think between the Niners and the Dolphins, five, if not six, of the biggest yak monsters in the league are right there. Because you got Waddle, Hill, and then you got McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle now Ayuk I guess has also decided just oh yeah to a yak off. Monster. He, had, he had two yeah yeah two touchdowns yeah yeah I was I was five years early on Ayuk like he <laughs> he was a rookie and I was like this dude like coming out of ASU this dude's special and I like I had him on my team and just awful like a, a really bad locker room guy and finally he's, he's I guess he's he's a man now and he's just he, he's he's always been good he's always passed the eye test it was just kind of it was a locker room thing like he he wasn't practicing well he wasn't really giving it to the team and now i guess things have changed and now he's he's a monster but yeah no, i know i agree with you you have you have the juxtaposition of these great teams that have great yak monsters with mid quarterbacks and then you got patrick mahomes with our with our walmart wide receivers oh my just gosh. trying to <laughs> trying to make lemonade man but before we get to that reese why don't we um pretend to pay some bills can you uh can you do a little social media shout out and some patreon and then we'll get into some chris jones yeah i'm gonna give a quick social media shout out you can find us on instagram at uh fountain city sm please if you find us you should give us a like or a follow and communicate with us because we we honestly really like communicating with you guys it's a whole lot of fun so fountain city sm check it out and uh if you really like what you hear You can go on to patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to bonus content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive mini-series, including Season Zero, our very first season of COVID podcasting, and Speedy and Angry, our newly updated 11-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Check all that out. You can be a patron and friend of the podcast for the price of one cup of Quickstar QT, Wawa, Bucky's coffee a month. That's two dollars. So check us out. And if you if you donate a thousand dollars, Reese will fight the Cats brothers all by himself. <laughs> I thought I had Logan Paul in my corner or something. <laughs> you, you you did, but it actually it, it, I I just have this picture of like Chris Jones and then the two Cats brothers by his side, and then you just walking up with your like with with your yellow sh- with your y- yellow pants and your like your like Reese like chief shirt on. Say, hey guys, I'm gonna kick your ass. I know Creed Humphrey. Uh, anyway. Well, okay, who who do you think You're taller than Creed Humphrey, right? We're we're like the exact same height. The exact same height. Austin Ryder was the one who You was can nice. probably stand a chance against one of the Cats brothers, the like smaller guy on the on the right hand side. I was gonna say, like Chris Jones looked like one of those beat 'em up bosses from arcades where it's like, you know, the boss had like the two sub bosses to fight. Okay, honest question. 
Honest question. Here's our poll. For, no, I don't put in the poll for the week. Hey, speaking of which, uh, if you're listening on Spotify right now, uh, we're gonna update our, our podcast and have some polls as well as some Q and A's with each you can episode. Add polls on Spotify. Yeah. So poll for this nice. week. Poll for this week. Uh, could Chris Jones and the Two Cats Brothers versus? <laughs> I don't even know what you're going to say, but I, I know it's going to be ridiculous. I'm trying to think of what like a fair poll fight would be like. You, me, Alex, like <laughs> maybe Buffalo bu- Mike. Buffalo, bu- Mike. Bu- Buffalo Mike's jacked, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. But he's, he's a pacifist, man. I don't know if he'd fight, would he? Oh, actually, and uh, no, he would fight. And and uh, Doctor Doctor Michael Zhang is also Jack too. Dude, see, we got to, we got a bunch of Jack dudes in this podcast, you know. So, uh, no, that's not gonna be our that's not gonna be our fight or poll for the week. Uh, what would be what would be a good poll for this week? Do you think? Like a good fight or a good poll? Nah, fine. We'll find a good fight. So Chris Jones and the Cats Brothers in a cage match against hmm. Against Seal. Seal uh, Prime Prime Robert Robert De Niro. Yeah, Prime Robert De Niro and uh Robert Redford. I don't know. One of one of one of those cats brothers looks pretty big though, next to next to Chris Jones. Yeah. I mean that that dude looks like He's like 5'11", 350. But unless it's like the kingpin from Spider-Man, I don't want to hear anything about like this is all muscle, dude. That's just the guy that's been like, you know, chilling out and not hitting the gym. I don't know. Anyway, it's not the Anyway, back, back, back to the Katz brothers. So, so Chris Jones signs today a one-year deal. Um, according to, I, I don't have the specifics of the deal, but apparently the raise that he wanted is all in incentive. So he's not actually getting any more money within the deal. Um, in like the proper deal, it, it's going to come with incentives, which will then make him not the highest paid, but make him the second highest paid player. Reese, what are your, what are your thoughts on this, on this random one-year deal? You know, when I heard he got a one-year deal, my thought was, okay, so they gave him like a one-year extension sort of thing. Like maybe like one extra year of a prove-it deal where we didn't have to put him on the franchise tag. But when I found out it was mostly incentive-laden and they basically just reworked this last year of his current deal, what this says to me is this is the Chiefs' way of at least giving Chris Jones something because he lost. I mean, he straight up did not win this contract dispute. He didn't get the multi-billion million dollars he wanted. He didn't get the three or whatever four-year extension that he wanted. He looks doubtful he's a Chief for life. What an incentive-laden deal tells me is that the Chiefs basically went up and said, hey, uh, we're going to give you this, and we're going to give you a bunch of low-hanging fruit incentives to kind of make up for that uh, fine money from missing training camp in the first game that we can't pay you back, but you make it up in fines. And I think it's probably best for everybody at this point that we're just going to have a gentleman's agreement right now that next year... We're going to tag and trade you so you can go pursue your big dollar bill somewhere else. We cool? Okay, you're going to come back and play? All right, we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, it's it, it's really strange. I mean, first, I, I think him showing up to the to the Chiefs Lions game was a huge L for him. And then obviously yep. having his agents next to him. I mean, that like I think no 
no matter what happens this year, whether we win the Super Bowl or not, like Chiefs fans are always going to know that image of him week one. We lose to the Lions and Chris Jones like is there trying to support, but also showing us that like he's not on the team. I just just like just an awful move by his agents. And then his agents don't even get him an extended deal. Right. They 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 didn't get this deal done. Chris Jones wants to be a chief for a chief for life. He tells his agents that they say not only are you going to be a chief for life, but but you're also going to get paid bad money. And none of that happens. He gets an incentivized deal that he could have done anyway with us. So he didn't have to hold out one game. And then he doesn't get the extension, which means, like you said, this is probably going to be his last year. Um, And it's just it's very confusing and very sad for the image of Chris Jones because, you know, he has been such an asset to us. But these past couple weeks have been so ugly. And I don't even know if it's him. I I really blame the Katz brothers because, Reese, you, you you had mentioned who who are his other you know who who are people that he that they represent nobody right? yep exactly nobody so these guys are trying to make a name for themselves and they really screwed him over man i really i really feel like chris jones got the short end of the stick from the chiefs but also from the cats brothers like it's really a lose lose for chris but hopefully you know this is no longer a locker room distraction we're able and and we'll talk about the game but our d our d line actually looked okay you know it didn't look horrific like i thought they were going to look without chris jones and without charles amenehu and without frank frank clark like they looked amenable so um a very strange deal and unfortunately i think this is going to tamper the legacy of chris jones yeah, it's like I said a few weeks ago how it sucks that this is now the second time in a row that we think we have a defensive player who could be like the defensive franchise goat besides maybe Derek Thomas and, no pun intended, both times Eric Berry and Chris Jones have fumbled the bag, so to say. But yeah, I think uh, these Cats brothers are probably going to be alley cats by the end of this season. I think they'll be looking for a new player to represent because I, I don't think there's any way Chris Jones is saying, I'm trusting you guys to try this again when I'm another year older at a full age 30 waning on to 31 to get me the big deal that I feel like I deserve. And, and something fishy. If you go to the quote that Brett Veach made, like if you go to Twitter and see the quote, he was like, hats off to the cats brothers for, um, for getting the, getting the, uh, the uh, deal that they wanted for their agent. I mean, something like very passive aggressive or I mean, Brett Brett Veach would never go out of his way to praise the agent. So for him to do so, like there's something happening behind the scenes, whether that was passive aggressive or something that the Katz brothers like put in the contract. You need to say our names when you announce this contract with Chris Jones. I mean, it really is like Tweedledee, Tweedledum. Um, like I can hear the like Benny Hill soundtrack as I'm as I'm reading the the Brett Veach quote. It's it's really strange. This is whole thing, man. It's 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 a disaster. Well, dude, it's 100 percent like that episode of South Park where Canada goes on strike and the prime minister has been like like the entire country's like dying of starvation. And when like the United Nations gives them a call and they're like, "Yo, uh, yeah, we can give you something." He's like, "Can you at least give me something so it makes it look like we came out on top?" And they're like. Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. And they wind up giving him like 20 bucks off at Bennigan's and a piece of bubble gum or something like that. That's basically what that's this honestly like. what 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 that quote looked like. Uh, well, hopefully, I mean, look, hopefully this means that Chris Jones, he's going to play his heart out this year. Uh, but it also gives Brett Veach the whole season to kind of restructure this D line because I don't think he he tried to right with Charles Menehue. 
um, and then hopefully thought he was going to re-sign Chris Jones. But now he has a whole year knowing that this is what our D line is in the future, and we gotta we gotta start making moves. Um, all right, let's let's go straight to the game, Reese. Then we're gonna skip the beer review today. Uh, Reese and I were just chomping at the bit for this Jets Bills game, so we were gonna cast a little earlier. But man, that game was good. Uh, I, yeah, we weren't expecting it to be good, but boy, was that a good game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, let's just go right into the game. Then we lose Reese. To, uh, Kansas City loses 20 to 21 to the Detroit Lions at home at Arrowhead. A very, a very strange game, but also one that I'm not particularly worried about. Normally in the past, like Reese and I will just go back and forth if we're if we're losing by seven to like to a team. Like we we, we would start to panic. It took me about two and a half years to to get rid of that anxiety because I'm like, oh, we got Patrick Mahomes. Um and now this year I'm in this weird zone where I'm just like I think I think we're okay. Like, yes, of course, there's a lot of holes and there's things to address. But Reese, I really don't feel panicky about this at all. How about you? Um. Well, it's so funny the difference that four days can make. Because honest to goodness, after Thursday night, I wasn't on full sky is falling mode. But I had my hand next to the panic button just a little bit because I'm like... Oh no, like maybe this wide receiver core isn't as good as we thought because Detroit does not have a good defense and yet nobody could create separation. Oh no. I mean they they they're, they really rebuff their secondary. Yeah, but again, it wasn't as we saw, we'll talk about this more with the drops. Like it wasn't like they were suffocating or anything. We just sure. nobody just could step up and get any sort of separation on them. And even when uh, you know Mahomes was looking to Noah Gray a lot throughout that game to try and be Kelsey, and yeah, Noah showed up a few times, but he doesn't have that innate sense of finding soft spots and coverage the way Kelsey does. It's rough. So whereas I don't think the sky is falling now at this point, thanks to the fact that overall a lot of teams look sloppy in week one, the Bengals laid an absolute skyline on the field. <laughs> and then the Bills lose this game to the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. It's like those are the big... Broncos lose to the Raiders. And Jacksonville won, but they didn't look that good doing it. So... Right. Uh, Chargers lose to the Dolphins. Yeah. So it's like, are the Dolphins the best team in the AFC? I don't know. Where are you? Know. Do you think the sky's falling? What's going on? <laughs> I think the sky is falling if if Kelsey's injury is worse than we think, uh, which according to yesterday, there was a report that came out that uh, Kelsey was doing well and it's looking like he will play the um, in week two. That's good. So if he like if this is a lingering injury, then we are absolutely screwed because when when Tyreek Hill left the team, that's when we all went into panic mode and said, you know, Patrick Mahomes is nothing without Tyreek Hill. And then Patrick Mahomes proved to everybody, right, that no, I, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I am, I am him. And not that Patrick Mahomes is nothing without Travis Kelsey, because we saw him today and it, he was he was great. Like he, you know, he played really well, 226 yards two, and two touchdowns. But we we forget that Kelsey's only missed one game. Like he's only missed one full game with Patrick Mahomes under center, and that's the bigger story. Is that it, it's not that Patrick Mahomes? Like I said, Patrick Mahomes. It's not like he's nobody without Kelsey. But Kelsey is so important to this offense 
that we just didn't realize that. Like, we know Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but like you said, we need a Travis Kelsey to find the space. We need them to distract for Kadarius Toney, for Rasheed Rice, for, for Sky Moore, for Jared McKinnon. His role is just incredibly vital to this team and more so than we ever thought after this game. Like, yes, I know we were one Kadarius Toney bobble away from winning, but... Like, imagine how easy this game would have been with Kelsey in the middle, finding space. Um, Patrick Patrick extended so many plays this game. I mean, we'll we'll talk about our offensive line, but he he looked so smooth. He just couldn't find anybody. And Kelsey is that guy, right? Is that improvisation person that knows where Patrick wants to be. And Patrick knows where Kelsey wants to be. So my panic meter is low because Kelsey's coming back. But boy, is Kelsey way more important than we ever thought. Well, I think that brings up a really good point, too, which is that I think we are now at the point where, I mean, we've kind of been like nervously chuckling and looking over our shoulder the last few seasons like, Haha, you know, Kelsey's not getting any younger. <laughs> and now I really think this speeds up the timeline Yep. where it's like, yo, at this point, I'm not saying you have to sell house and go get Brock Bowers next year. I'm not even saying it's going to be a tight end. But we have to be in serious win-now mode in regards to finding the heir apparent of being Patrick Mahomes' running mate. Kelsey still, Kelsey could still have another three or four good years on it, but like we are in the phase-out state of Travis Kelsey now, and we don't have the luxury of time anymore to kind of take, fly, take some flyers on mid-round, second-round group of five wide receivers who, like, you know, Mike could be good. They got some upside. No. You got to go out and you have to nail a future wide receiver one or get one of the stud tight ends from Iowa or heck, like I said, go blow out and get Brock Bowers next year. There's there's a lot of moments in history where I'd like to like go back and fix things. And one of those is the NFL draft in Kansas City when we draft Felix Anudike Uzoma for funsies at the end of the round so that we can get a cheer from, from the crowd led by Reese and and the Russian Alex Nikolenko. I if you were there, but, I, I, I anyway. Anyway. <laughs> No, I'm just teasing you. But, Reese, if I can go back in time, I'm going back to that day and I'm signing Michael Mayer or Sam Laporta. Like, like imagine there were, what, three or four tight ends on the board at the end of round one that we could have got. And like you said, Reese, the timeline is is so sped up now. We, We... we have to go tight end round one next year, no doubt, because we totally fumbled the bag, Kansas City draft, because we wanted to be cool and get Felix and Enodike, who played okay. He played okay. Yeah, you know, Iowa has a, a stud tight end right now who could be just what the doctor ordered, depending on when he goes to the draft. Um, I mean, heck, they're a tight end factor. They, they probably got two right now, to be honest. That could be, you know, Kelsey era parents. But, you know, Kelsey's don't just come from a can at the tight end position you know it's like the fact that he doesn't pancake block everyone and he does run routes as good as anyone we've ever seen in the history of the NFL it's like you're not going to find that in a tight end necessarily I just need someone that can be Mahomes' safety valve you know when it's third and four and no one can get separation 
he knows he can at the very last minute look at, okay, is this person open? And they're probably going to be open. Because look, no one ever gets it done by themselves that I can think of. It's like going back, Josh Allen was absolute dog water until they got him Stefan Diggs. Kirk Cousin got really good once they got him Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's always had his guy to go to. But, you know, we, we just got to find whoever the new favorite target of Mahomes is going to be. That can ball out. And the time is now. Other other than Tony, did you see any anybody else that could step up in, in a role? And I actually, actually, before... No, I'll, I'll let you go and then and I'll go. But from what you saw in week one, is there anybody that can step up and be wide receiver one? Well, I think the interesting one is going to be Rashi Rice because we're yet to see any of that big downfield go up and get itness that he was touted for. But he's been really carving people up in the middle of the field and in that slot position. But that being said... I think his ceiling is more of like a Juju Smith-Schuster high-end wide receiver too, as opposed to being like, that's our guy we can count on for probably 1,000 or 1,100 yards like almost every season. I don't think he's going to be that guy. Uh, I don't think... I think Justin Ross is going to be good, but they don't seem to want to put him on the field for snaps right now. You know, I'm just going on the list. Sky Moore... Dude, I'm uh, I'm not hitting the panic button on Sky Moore just yet. I was one of the Sky Moore truthers in the offseason saying, oh, this guy just needs to get some targets now that he's been in the system for a year. Dude, what's Sky Moore's biggest highlight? Can you tell me that Super Bowl play where he was wide open maybe? Yeah, I'm 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 not big on the Sky Moore hype. I think Sky Moore is going to be a perfect wide receiver three on this team for for years to come, and that and that's about it. Um, but I, I haven't seen any bursts from him. He's a great route route runner, but like no yak. He's like the opposite of Tyree Kill. He gets the ball and he just goes immediately to immediately to the floor. Uh, but Reese, I have a little hot take for you. Yeah, I think I think Tony is still the guy. Really, I think I think Tony's still wide receiver one because what people aren't remembering is that he he came back from injury, he missed training camp, um, didn't go to this like Patrick Mahomes camp in White House, Texas, um, hasn't hasn't had a lot of reps with with Pat anyway. But I think I think a healthy Kadarius Tony, I think Tony is still easing his way into the offense and. If we take away this game, when we see Tony healthy, it's great. It is wide receiver one play. And I don't think that this one game coming back from injury, coming back from not having any time in the offseason to work with Patrick Mahomes, um, and then obviously missing the first the first catch, he starts to get butterfinger, starts to think, you know, did I come back too soon? I think it was a fluke game, Reese. If I this is a tangent, but it, if I am a daily draft guy, if I am a, a fantasy guy, I'm I'm taking Tony, man. If if Tony's healthy, I'm gonna I'm gonna dust this one off and give me give me Butterfinger Kadarius for the rest of the year. What is this? Your pitch to get Tony sold in our fantasy league? What's going on here? <laughs> 
No. No, I'm serious. Because, Reese, Reese, take away this game, right? Take it away from your brain and take away his injuries. And just him on the field, he is always not elite, but he's always been like the guy. Better than Juju, I think, when when they were matched up together. Well, I mean, I, I can take away this game, but I can't take away his injuries, which I think is what keeps him from being the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey as the guy on this sure. team. But, I mean, I'm with you. I think these statistically bad games just happen. You know, like Joe Burrow. Tyreek Hill, how many times did that guy drop the ball? And then he has, like, one of the best games in wide receiver history yesterday. Yeah, Tyreek Hill used to drop the ball a lot more than the revisionist history wants him to remember. (laughs) But, I mean, Kadarius Toney, man, I tell you what. So this is why I'm not hitting the panic button yet in this Lions game and why it's so frustrating. So I know I said this in the group chat when I was salty that I'm like the Lions are mid, eight and nine season incoming. I honestly do believe that because I was not impressed by their <laughs> offense. And that was against Fair. that was against the defensive line that had a rookie, a sophomore, no Chris Jones in the center, as well as our best corner coming off of injury, and it showed. And they couldn't do anything. They scored 14 points on our offense. The second touchdown coming late in the fourth quarter. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Their defense, not much improved because as we talked about, yeah, they tried to short some things up, but it wasn't like they were getting third down stops and critical points by sacking Mahomes because they were so overwhelming on the line. It wasn't like they were suffocating our wide receivers and breaking up passes. No, this can literally be distilled down to Kadarius Tony dropped the ball three times, right? Three, at least three big times. The first one was a pick six. You take that off the board, we win. The second was that drive staller on that third and two where it hits him in the gut and he drops it on the ground. Guess what? He gets that. Chances are we kick a field goal even if we go three and out from that spot. We win the game. We win. The very last one he dropped on that last drive. Touchdown. Dude, I think he saw how wide open he was and he turned yep. around too fast because he totally was Totally got the twisties. He yep. was gone. So I know this is a coulda, woulda, shoulda, the fact that a wide receiver of his caliber would drop all three of those that hit him right in the bread basket, we're talking some serious Madden levels of just like scripty AI bulk. <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree with you there, but I'm going to come at you with a with another hot take, Reese. Oh, geez. Give it to us. So Season five. In the, in, in the beginning of, of this of this argument you just made, you said... Lions, Lions offense bad, which makes, you know, which made Steve Spagnuolo's defense look good. No, Reese. Lions, Lions offense good, but Steve Spagnuolo better. Oh, but dude, Steve I wish Spagnuolo I had your optimism here. better, Reese. Okay, Ugh. let me, let me. Let me break this down a little bit for you. So what what okay, the Lions okay, this uh, and I'm going to preface this with yes, I'm a huge Lions guy. I'm not I don't root for them, but just after watching Hard Knocks and I I've watched all the Hard Knocks. But I tell you, man, Dan Campbell, there's something special about that guy. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, that dude is a genius. Jared Goff is not good, right? No. I think I think I think we can no. agree with that. So for 
But for Jared Goff to look like the most amazing play action quarterback in NFL history, like Ben Johnson is doing something right. Um, uh, Jameer Gibbs and like this David Montgomery duo, I think is a great duo. And I think what they're doing with Jameer Gibbs is going to be highly successful. Um, I think after this game, we're going to see that Lions offense do really well against some pretty good defenses. I think they played that play action game really well in the second quarter, and then we kind of figured it out. But but Reese, I got to tell you, man, with our mid-defensive line, Steve Spagnuolo coming in from the Super Bowl and just on a hot streak, man. He's figured something out. And I have always poo-pooed Steve Spagnuolo for the f- five consecutive seasons. Actually, except for last year, like towards the last half of the season. And I think I'm just going to ride the Steve Spagnolo train. They played a perfect game, Reese. These Dude. guys these guys held Jameer Gibbs, who I think is good. These guys countered that play action that I, I think is actual genius. And we got pressure. We got pressure from the most random guys. Well, not random because we've always talked about how good Mike Dana is, how Trishar and Wharton is. But we've never put them of the likes of, of Chris Jones. But man, I'm telling you, I don't know what he was doing with those blitz packages, but it was working, man. It was working. Steve Spag, no, sorry, Lions offense good. Steve Spagnolo better. Dude, I wish that I could just like eat a piece of that optimism pie that you have here. But here's my problem with Spags. That is always my problem with Spags. We were able to generate pressure against the Lions. But only when we sent extra men, dude. Like, only when we had five or more going at it. We still can't generate pressure with only four. And that's the key to success. That's what makes the Bengals so good on defense that people don't want to write home about. Is although there's no stars on that front four. They can (laughs) rush three. They can rush four. Let the rest of their guys and Eli Apple and all those dudes drop back into coverage. That's their bread and butter. That's my problem number one with Spags. Problem number two with Spags. He continues to be just like the Jedi master at taking third and a mile, third and a double mile, and giving them either a first down or having it be like fourth and two from third and 23. And it's just like, dude, why is this so hard for you not to just send house and send like have three dudes back in the secondary? That's your entire secondary, just three dudes. Because Lions found the soft spots in our secondary all game. Mm-hmm. They do yeah. not have a fast receiving core. I think Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown ran like what, like a 464? That's like CEH speed. And <laughs> he was gashing us underneath this whole time because it's like he didn't have time to get to the secondary and it was wide open. So I've, I'm trying to accept the fact that as long as Spagnuolo is here, third and whatever will never, ever be safe. And it was incredibly frustrating. I was watching the Packers-Bears game yesterday. I think at one point in the first half, the Packers had like third and 14 or something. Or maybe it was even a little bit longer, third and 15 after a penalty. And, dude, you know what they did? They're like, all right, we're just going to play like a drop back defense. They, they, let the beer, they let the Bears get like a five, six, maybe seven yard gain. It was fourth and eight. Guess what? They punted. And I'm like, that's exactly what third and over 12 should be. You let them throw a little dump off pass. You swarm them and cut them off for six or seven. Punt. You don't have to freaking sack the quarterback and make third and 22 into third and 30 if they're going to convert that third and 22 on you every time. 
Well, what 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 was frustrating is that in in that situation, I probably would have done the same thing, not rushing like the box, but like you you have to have Bolden and you have to have Gay in the box when you have Jameer Gibbs and and David Montgomery going off. And it's like, what, what, what do you do? Are you going to let them just run all over you? Or are you going to like, you know, hopefully, you know, McDuffie can maintain Amron St. Brown on man-to-man coverage. But unfortunately, it's just slant after slant after slant. So you can't run zone. You have to pack the box in case they do this like crazy two-man rumble, shuffle, double. Now, you're correct that when it's third and 15 they shouldn't pack the box but I just feel like it was happening on second down like every single time and I don't know I I, I feel like I feel like he was just like yeah screw it this is this is what we're gonna run and and we might lose but like this is how we're gonna do it and honestly I'd at the third quarter in the fourth quarter Jared Goff had no answer they they had absolutely no answer for the Chiefs we just couldn't get it done well and that's what gave the Lions life was and when this is huge every time this happens when you have something like third and 15 that should be the end of the drive the next play is going to be a punt the fact that you let them convert that takes the wind out of your team but if you're playing at home and even inversely on the road it either kills your home fans or it gives life to those away home fans and that changes the dynamics of that drive and potentially the game going forward which was the case in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, perfect example is that is that fake punt, right? The fake punt gives them oh momentum my. and then they just and they like oh. go down the what was that, an eighty yard, ninety yard drive? I was just like, what the hell is going on? Dave Tube, get out of here, man. For being like the self proclaimed special teams whisperer, dude, this guy gets caught on every fake All kick. All the time. Onside fake field goals. And the fact that there was a tweet going around saying, or maybe it was like a graphic on the game, that like the Lions had converted something like eight fake punts in the last two years, which is like an NFL record. So you're telling me this team converts fake punts and goes for them at a historic clip, and you still weren't telling your team in that fake punt position to be right. ready for the fake punt? Oh my goodness. Oh, Reese. Yeah, not 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 great. Not great. Um, I have I have one more gripe and then I'll let you whatever you want to talk about for the end of the podcast. Uh, But Reese, my my gripe goes to Andy Reid, man. Oh, time and time again. Now, yes, clock management, whatever. But my bigger gripe is the running game. Time and time again, we abandon the running game. Sure, if, if it's CEH centric, I get it. But we have a man named Isaiah Pacheco, not a boy. This this dude is a man. And every time this guy had the ball, he played extremely well. He seemed like he was going to go down the field, even though, you know, things weren't going well. It's like Andy Reid, uh, Andy Reid abandons the run so quickly. And when you abandon the run, you then make this predictable offense where Everyone is going to be guarding somebody, and now Patrick Mahomes. It's 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 twice as hard now. You got no Kelsey, and now the Lions know Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball. Reese, I don't understand why we always abandon the run when that is going to set up Patrick Mahomes for success, especially when he doesn't have his best receiver on the field. It just it pisses me off, and I I mean I'm very disappointed with Andy Reid in Week One. You know, I want to give Reed the benefit of the doubt in saying that Isaiah Pacheco is coming off of surgery, 
Therefore, he didn't want to make him like but the featured looked, back Reese, this look game. At him, man. But it's like I can't give him the benefit of the doubt because we saw us way too much last year in the mid part of the season where it's like, yeah, we're just going to kind of like split carries with Pacheco and CEH. So like this game, it was like Pacheco had eight carries and CEH had six. Neither running back is going to establish a rhythm when you're giving him one to two handoffs every quarter and that's it. You should be giving him at least one to two per drive. Uh, and dude, if I have to see that lame fourth down, whatever trick play you want to call where Blake Bell lumbers up under oh. center, he's like, dude, he like waddles. He's like, oh, don't let anybody know this is a trick <laughs> formation. And it's like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me, dude. It's like, what stupid thing are we going to do here? Are we going to do like jumping the wrong side of a QB sneak with our giant bulldozer QB? Are we going to run a jet sweep that's three yards behind the line of scrimmage? Oh my gosh. How hard is it? Especially with Blake Bell. Dude, just have him line up right away. Quick snap. Fall forward. That dude played quarterback in college. He can right. do it. Yeah, there was, I mean, just real simple things that, of course, we know Andy Reid is going to go down as one of the greatest coaches to ever live, which actually makes it that much more frustrating because we know he's a genius, right? We know this guy, like, invents some of the greatest offensive plays that we'll ever see in our lifetime in the NFL. Um, but when it comes to clock management and when it comes to just seeing the game simply, it's almost like he's just too genius. He's playing 6D chess when you only have to play 4D chess. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's so disappointing because it just seems very simple. If you want Patrick Mahomes to cook, you got to put some other things in the offense so that space can be created, just like what the Lions were doing, right? Like they were setting up, you know, running the ball, running the ball so that the play action was absolutely seamless. And of course, people are not going to stack the box against Patrick Mahomes. They're 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 going to yeah, he's going to throw it because they're not they're not giving to CH, they're not giving to Pacheco. So that was very frustrating, Reese. Um, and yes, another questionable, questionable clock management and questionable fourth downs. Um, also, that one time that he didn't punt when he should have punted in the fourth quarter. Another just like very like what what's going on over there, man? Come on, come on, Andy. You know, I, I will defend the fourth and twenty five if that's what you're alluding to, mm-hmm. because the way our defense was playing, we weren't going to get the ball back at the end of the game. If we punted to him, they were just going to keep running it down our throats late in the game. And they would have converted bled the clock. But that being said, we shouldn't have been in a fourth and 25 to begin in that position. We wouldn't have been if Kadarius Tony didn't drop that touchdown pass that we talked about. And dude, on fourth and twenty-five, and we actually almost, and then we, and then we almost converted, and Sky drops it. <laughs> exactly, dude. It's like what what good are these like all-time ten and three-quarter inch mitts he has? <laughs> if like every time a ball hits him in him, he's got bricks and he drops them. I know it was a difficult catch, and you had to jump up for and it. Pat, and Pat tends to throw pretty quickly; like he, he throws a fast clip, but still unexcusable. You gotta catch him to hit you in your hands, man. It's it's I don't know. It's incredibly frustrating. I have a much different outlook on this wide receiver room, unfortunately, than I think I did in the preseason, which worries me to a degree, especially when like MVS and Justin Watson looked like the only two wide receivers who really knew what they were doing in that game. Uh, but like I said, it's crazy what four days will do. It would have been great to have a game up on the Bengals and the Bills already. 
But mm-hmm. at this point, you know, they lost two. Maybe everyone's a little sloppy. Maybe we can all just agree to come back in week two and say this is the new start week again, one. Right, start over, except for the Raiders. They're like, we're on a roll, baby. So, Armando, let's just end it here and say, where is your panic meter at in a scale of one to ten? Uh, honestly, again, I will say this Lions team is better than most people think. I think towards the end of the season, we're going to see how good this team actually was. I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't. I know there was an example that I had in my head, um, but it's gone now. But anyway, I think this Lions team is better than we think. So my panic meter is low because this is a good team. Um, so my panic meter is maybe at a four. If if Kelsey's injury acts up, it's going to go high again because I've already said like Kelsey is the is the lifeblood of the offense. So if Kelsey's injury is tough, eight. Otherwise, you know, four. It's it's tough for me to gauge because. I do think this Lions team is fine. I think this Lions team is actually as good as I thought they were, which is very fine. Uh, who were we thought we, they were? Well, I mean, yeah. Here's the thing. The Chiefs did not deserve to win that game, given how they played. But inversely, like neither did the Lions, if that makes any sense. It's like they just yeah. wound up winning it because we kept shooting ourselves in the foot. So, you know, that's unnerving. But like you said, Kelsey was gone. I think the biggest change in the season might come if Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for the year like it seems like he is. Because if I I was looking at the first six-day games of our schedule, here's what we got. Week one, Lions at Jacksonville, Bears. Who almost lost to a a freshman, Anthony Richards. (laughs) at, At New York Jets, at Minnesota Vikings. Denver Broncos, Chargers, Denver Broncos. It's looking good. I'm still not ruling out that we lose to Jacksonville. Like, if you would have told me that we lost to Jacksonville week two. It'll be a tough game. I I thought that would have been the early season game we were going to drop and play poorly and should have won. But maybe a wake-up call. Bears, I'm feeling pretty good about the Bears. If we lose to the Bears, then we can start hitting the Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. (laughs) But... Aaron Rodgersless Jets. The Cosmos does not want the universe to ever get an Aaron Rodgers Patrick Mahomes matchup. It feels Patrick like Patrick Mahomes will not throw three interceptions to Whitehead. I can promise you that. No, we're not going to do that. Vikings is still going to be a, a, I think, a close game. It's at Minneapolis. But, but, but here's Vikings the thing: dude. lose to a mid mid Buccaneers team, man. I mean, that's Kirk Cousins, though. You never know what Kirk Cousins you're going to get. They still, still got weapons on no, the team. No, dude, that's that's the Vikings defense. I mean, I mean, put letting P- Baker Mayfield put up that many points to win, it's like, woof. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you where. I think the season's going to be determined week six through eight, which is Broncos, Chargers, at Broncos. Because I know we're like, well, the Broncos haven't beaten us in like eight years. I'm like, yeah, but don't you think that makes them like super hungry to do it? And especially with Sean Payton now that they're probably primed to get one, if not both of those. And also the Chargers are the same story. Yeah, we always beat them close, but they always play us close. So what's to say one or two drops of the hat or no Travis Kelsey, as was the case last game, could make a big difference in there. So. do you do you know what a Sean Payton's Broncos looked like yesterday? Uh, I thankfully did not watch the game. A Sean Payton's Broncos looks exactly like a Nathaniel Hackett's Broncos. It's the oh. same exact team that can't get it done on offense. 
Oh, dude. Russell Wilson will always be Russell Wilson. I'm sorry, Sean Payton cannot inject Sean Payton, Drew Brees shots into Russell Wilson. Dude, Drew Brees is so much better than Russell Wilson ever was. Do you think... Absolutely. Honest question, if Russ plays another year this year like he did last year, is he officially out of the Hall of Fame conversation, barring some sort of insano renaissance where he wins another one somewhere? I mean, yes, yes. But I'm not looking on paper and I'm not looking who else is in the Hall of Fame. Again, you have to look at like these other randos that won one Super Bowl, you know, on the Steelers in 1947 um, that are in the Hall of Fame. So I would assume that he still qualifies because of his success with Seattle. But I mean, just from like, you know, you and I just shooting the shooting the crap. No. Man, oh, man. I'll be curious I'll be curious. Hey, uh, when did they rule Jerry Judy out for that game, by the way? Uh, right before the game. It was like an hour before. Okay, I was going to say, because I'm like, I did not get a notification from Sleeper. So it was, I'm yeah, like, it why? Was, it was very quick. I was like, why is my team doing so bad? And it's like, so Mark Andrews was out on my team, which I think was announced fairly late in the game. But then Jerry Judy was also out. So I'm like, man, is my team going to suck again this year? No. I only scored sub 100 this week because I had two dudes out that were announced like right at game time. So I feel a little bit better about that. Also, it's always good to get a win because I haven't had a fantasy win in this league, dude, in a long time. <laughs> well, you can you can thank the uh, the Jets for that win, right? No, I, I can thank the Jets for my work league. That Bills oh, work punt league. return literally cost him the work league. Stefan Diggs was the one who dug deep and won me the Fountain Fantasy League this week. Wow. Yeah. So. I think I lost. I, I I I have Jamar Chase, so things were not good for me. Oh, dude, I had Joe Mixon. Who else did I have my team? Well, I, I, we keep saying this. We'll, we'll post these standings on Instagram to keep people up to date with what's going on. But <laughs> no, my uh, my league was not good. Let's see. Um, Deontay Johnson didn't show. Wait. Oh, he got injured. Oh, I, Andrew got injured. I always forget. I, I always see B. Robinson on my team. I'm like, what? I drafted B. John Robinson, and it's like, oh, no, I have Brian, uh, Brian Robinson. Although he had 13 Dude. points. He did pretty well. Oh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, like, I, I, I know Washington lost, but Washington Washington might have some legs. They could. Sam, Sam Howell. Sam Howell's not going to be, you know, your your pro bowler, but Sam Howell could be your, your like, you know. Poor man's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Poor man's Kirk Cousins is what everyone aspires to be. <laughs> Reese, any, um, we didn't talk about the uh, the uh, tackles today, but um, some great highlights, man. And oh, yeah. and I'm not talking those those pre snap jumps, which were not jumps, by the way. Uh, nope. Th- those are within the rules. And actually, he is like, if you go back, he actually times them perfectly. Um, but anyway, J- Juwan Taylor, like there was some great highlight plays against Aiden Hutchinson. In fact, Aiden, towards the end of the uh, fourth quarter or fourth, third and fourth quarter, he had to switch sides or he had to go inside because he couldn't find anything against Juwan Taylor or um, the guy on the other side. Sorry, escaped my name or escaping my brain right now. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smith. Right. Um, yep. <laughs> so not bad, man. I saw yeah, Donovan Smith. That's right. Dude. No, I, pretty, pretty good showing. I will say, everyone listening, your homework assignment for this week is to go online, actually do some research and understand why those aren't false starts. And I mean, here's another thing. 
he was doing this back at Jacksonville this oh, yeah, whole time. Doing Jacksonville, but but there are no Jacksonville fans, and no one watched a single Jacksonville game. So that's why exactly. that's why no one no one knew about it until Thursday night. Well, and also this is the thing that both the tackles that the Eagles do every time, but everyone's like, "Oh, look how fun and cool they are because they run that like ninety-two percent butt push play." But they, and it's like, no, they've been doing this. The only reason you're complaining now is because we're doing it. So quit hating. Did you did you see how many people did that that Eagles QB sneak this this week? I didn't. How many? So, dude, so many people. I, I mean, I I watched I don't know four or five games this week, and all all of them at least once did the did the QB sneak. But did it work? Jared, Jared Goff did it. Jared Goff didn't he? He did a QB sneak, and it was exactly like the Jalen Hurts QB sneaks. I I don't think it was though, because he didn't have two dudes behind him pushing though. That's the big thing on the Eagles uh, one. Is like they have two so dudes they have behind the guys him. behind him. Yeah, so like the play is like never really dead because Hertz can just kind of like wiggle and squiggle back there, and it's like, they, well, you, you're still moving. No, but they also like do something in the front where they just like pancake down, which is also an illegal move, but apparently it's not illegal. And I think yeah. that's I, th- I think that's what the Lions did. That I was like, wait, that's totally the Eagles QB sneak where they're just like they like go for your shins and then you you can't do anything. Yeah, it's it's kind of a gray area on that one. That's a weird it, rugby crap. Yeah, they get into that like rugby scrum pose and they kind of like they don't chop, but they all go low just so the guy can kind of like slide over the top. Right, right. It's kind of right. weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, everyone copied it. It's copycat leak. Um, anything else, Reese? Before we uh, before we sign off, we're already at a, even without the beer review, we're almost at an hour. Oh yeah, sorry guys. We we had a lot to talk about in this one. It was like an action packed week one. Please, if you're listening on Spotify, check us out. Check the question. Check out the poll for the week. We want to hear your opinions and your answers. So do that. Please pray for the Chiefs because I was in a bad mood after we lost. And I don't want to be in the bad mood again. But, man, <laughs> feels good. Season five, hey, Chris, staying alive. Chris, Best one yet. Chris Jones Chris Jones is back. Kelsey's going to play week two. Let's go. And actually, I'll, I'll do a little preface, Reese, before we leave. But I think this will be telling for uh, for our defense, especially our secondary, because Calvin Ridley has come to play. Zay Jones came to play. Like, I think I think this is, is going to be a really, a really good tell for that for that defense. Good point. We'll see if Jacksonville's real or if these Jaguars are nothing but teal tongue liars. And of course, we leave with a with a Reese Limerick or whatever the hell that was. Till next time, Kansas City Chiefs fans. We are glad to be back. It is it is what is it? A season five, episode one. We'll see you next week. Find us on social media and go Chiefs. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always... I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 